make them white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Amen. Little bright, you are justified. You hear a prophet say, you never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. God saw you in his mind before the world began. He saw you as perfect. And you're going to be everything he said you would be. Amen. His word is the truth. And it never fails. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad for that this morning. Amen. Amen. My goodness. I can sing because I'm happy. I can sing because I'm free. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Amen. I believe we're a free people this morning. Amen. Free from the bondage of sin, unbelief of the ages, when all the wickedness of the ages is piling up into this age. And you can say, I'm free from it. Satan has come and he has found no part in me. These are the words of Jesus. Got to be said of a bride in this last day. She's going to the rapture. You believe that? Amen. Without spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. Because he said so. Sometimes maybe we can't see it exactly that way, but he said it. And we know it's the truth. Amen. You've got a need this morning. Just hold it before the Lord and raise your hand to God and say, Jesus, don't pass me by. I need you today. We just come my way. Father, as we approach your throne of grace, it is there we find help in our time of need. We're thankful, Lord, it's there we find favor. Favor, divine favor. Favor that we didn't work for. Grace that we didn't do anything to achieve on our own. But it was your mercy mercy that endures I ask Lord your blessings upon us today you'd anoint our hearts Lord to believe to receive every divine promise of yours I ask Father for healing for your children there were those that lifted a hand to you and said I need you Jesus I need you I just pray you'll pass their way today Lord, that you'll walk down these aisles. Lord, you'll step aside to a pew. You'll speak to a heart and reveal yourself. Lord, you're God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we still believe, oh God, and we have seen your hand work. Your hand of mercy is great. Your grace is sufficient. I ask, Father, for those with lost loved ones, Lord, that you'd save them. Those, Lord, that are struggling with issues within their lives, Lord, maybe their marriage, their home, their family, something going on, Lord, you'll speak to them, Lord, today. You'll deal with them in a personal way because you're a personal Savior and a personal God. Lord, make no difference what the situation is. You're able, you're bigger than that. And I ask that you would do it. Lord, our brother Timothy's away ministering up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan today, finishing up convention there. I pray, Lord, you'll bless him in a mighty way. Lord, bring him home safely. Brother Joe will be ministering out next weekend, Lord. I pray that you'll use him in a mighty way. Lord, that you'll send out lights from Eden and Light Tabernacle. 
lights in a dark, dying world to herald the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to thank you for the messenger you sent us today. Thank you, Lord, for the prophet that brought us a message. And it's the message that's forerunning your second coming. And we're part of that second coming, Lord. As you come in bride form first before we meet you in the air in the groom form. Lord, may you be manifest fully in your body, your people today. I pray that you'd anoint us as you've done now many, many times. But Lord, we, we don't take that for granted. We come, Lord, praying, humbly, believing, expecting that as we read the scripture that you'll just step right in, make us an oracle of God. What good would it do for us to say our own thoughts and our own words? Lord, we want your thoughts to be manifested today. And we thank you, Lord, for the expression of your thoughts. In this day, Lord, where you expressed them through the seventh angel, through the messenger of God. Lord, but oh God, we know, Father, that you're still speaking in your people. For you said, the, you said through that messenger, the voice of God is in the bride. She knows what you want done with the word. And you want your word lived and believed and acted upon. And we're here, Lord, to do that. Father, we stand in this pulpit to preach because you commissioned us to do it. You said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul then would commission us. Then Brother Branham would commission us. We're here obeying what you said to do, Lord. And we see the signs following them that believe. We see souls that are saved, sick that are healed. Lord, demons cast out, the power of God manifested. We see, Lord, you're, this, you're, you're declaring yourself alive with infallible proofs of your resurrection. Lord, seeing your Holy Spirit move upon these young men and women a moment ago rejoicing and shouting and dancing there in their pew. Lord, we thank you that the sound of victory is still among us. We're not a dead church, a morgue, but oh God, we're people that are alive with the power of the Holy Ghost. And we have even young people that have come to know you in the power of your resurrection. And it's not just the young, but it's the old, it's all of us, the middle age, whoever we are. Father, because you're calling the people in this last day, we're the ordained of God to be here, chosen for this moment in time. In this last age of Laodicea, Father, we thank you that the mysteries have been finished. We thank you, Lord, that the voice of God has spoken to us. The thunders have revealed their and spoke their voices to a prophet. It's not our message. It's your message, Lord. It wasn't even his message. It was your message. It's the message of Jesus Christ to the Laodicean church age. And I pray, oh God, that we'll hear what the Spirit says to the church. You'll anoint our hearts to receive, our ears to hear, and then for us to be a doer of the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's turn to John chapter 3 and verse 1. For our scripture reading this morning, we want to just welcome you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Brother Jerome, it's good to see you here this morning. God bless you. Been through a battle with his health, but 
You know, Brother Drum was one of our first deacons. He actually is um, the, the only one of our first deacons that still serves. He's an honorary deacon now. We appreciate Brother Drum. He's been a faithful servant. Amen. Been a, him and Sister Linda has been a blessing to our church through the years and the Butts family. We appreciate them all. And amen. Good to see the Chandlers back there and the Nelsons. God bless you. Nice to have you in the service today. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought about it the other day, February the 1st, 1970, 52 years ago, I preached my first sermon in Little Blocker's Chapel. Amen. And, you know, I never knew where that sermon would take me to as a 15-year-old boy preacher, but we've been around the world and back a few times. Not preaching our own message. God sent a message in this day and vindicated it and showed it was the truth. And we thank God for the seventh angel and his message. We don't believe in any other message. Amen. We believe that is to be the truth, that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a new gospel, but the very thing that Jesus brought and, and Paul brought and Peter brought. We've been restored back to that. And, is from that restoration that we have something to minister from. Otherwise, we'd be lost in a sea of confusion today. Amen. But God, rich in mercy, has, has sent a, the evening light. For he said in the evening time, it shall be light. So we thank God for the message God sent us. Let's go to John chapter 3 and verse 1. I, I've got lo- lots of places to go today in the word. And so, um, as you know, we, um, we discontinued our Sunday night services and put two into one, so we sing a little longer, preach a little longer, and you know, if um, you get weary and have to go, well, that's fine. Um, we'll just uh, preach until the Lord nudges us and said, okay, you got it, amen. I pray that you'll just uh, enter in this morning, amen, let God speak to your heart. John chapter 3 and verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And then I'd like to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, just one verse, and then you can be seated. Being born again... Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. God bless you as you're seated. Now we're going to share with you a little quotation from the spoken word as original seed. 
from where we will take our sermon text this morning. It said, as the end time prophecies will repeat, I believe, as the first forerunner came from the wilderness and cried, behold the Lamb of God, the second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. And the bride of Christ will be pointed to the skies at the appearing of Jesus. Screaming, behold, the Lamb of God will come forth from his lips. God help us to be ready for that near event. And, and then again in spoken words, original seed, he said all sons, all of God's sons must be the same. Yes, sir. To be born of the word and the spirit brings us back to the spoken word again. Like in John 3, to be born of the water and the spirit, what does it do? Then it brings you right back unto the place where you should have been at the beginning. See, that's the reason of Christ's death that brings us back again to where sons of God. So we're going to be speaking this morning, taking my text from that statement Brother Branham was pressed to put up on his pen to write by the Holy Spirit, where he said that that the second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. So we're going to be speaking on a word-born bride or a bride born of the word, all right? So there is to be a message that is that, that comes in this day that we are to be born of the full word of God. Now, the full birth could not come till the full word came. Because, uh, for example, in Luther's day, they had a partial revelation of the new birth. It was not as it was in the book of Acts, where they received the Holy Ghost. It was a portion as they were in their restoration and they were justified by faith. But it was, for that time, the accepted way. But then God would come along with another message or another further part of his word, which would be sanctification. And in sanctification, there again would be another part that would be required to the new birth. And that is to be justified and sanctified. Those old uh, holiness people of the Methodist age, they shouted and rejoiced as they were sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And the old habits of the world will be taken off and they preached without holiness shall no man see the Lord. And, but you know, they did like everyone else has done. They've cabbaged down on that and they went no further. And Brother Branham used that term cabbage down and they would go no further and they would make a denomination out of that. And they would set that this is all of it. And God would move beyond that. And he would, in 1906, he would pour out his spirit some more. And again, now men and women would be baptized with the Holy Ghost. In a, and as it moved and, and, and upon men's spirits, and they rejoiced, and they uh, spoke in other tongues, and did many, many um, manifestations of the Spirit of God at that time, and rejoiced. As the Lord would now show them again that there was um, a great, um, a great move of God and a furtherance even to the great new birth that they were experiencing. Now they would they would preach that you must be justified and sanctified, and they were being filled with the Spirit for that time. They were 
They were actually in that moment of baptized into the body of gifts and they would manifest great gifts of the spirit. But you see, it was a parcel word and with a parcel word comes a parcel birth. In the message, the birth pains, Brother Branham tells us that there is to be a new birth according to Malachi 4. So again, when the fullness of the word comes, it brings us into the fullness of the new birth. Not just a, an anointing upon us as the Azusa people received, but, but now not just the spirit realm refreshed and, and man shout or dance and, and whatever, but now it comes down into the very nature of man where the token, the Holy Ghost is now applied, not, not a gift of the spirit, but the spirit himself. You see, um, it was um, the literal life of Jesus Christ returning back to the church. And so with um, there again, this uh, brings us back to the place where we should have been at the beginning. Where that man fell away from God all the way back to from, from Genesis. Now, I'd just like to go to James chapter 1 and verse 17. And he tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Notice the words, Father of lights. Say that with me. Father of lights. And, and with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow or turning, and all of his own will begat he us. So he's a father, and now out of his own will, not the will of the flesh or that of man, which comes by the sexual birth, but the will of God, amen. And so he, out of his own will, he begat he us with the word of truth. So again, we are begotten of the word. Notice that with a message, every message that has come down from in the restoration as it started back, actually, uh, that was truly a reformation. From the reformation forward, every work, of, every work of grace came out of a message of truth. Now, so again, it would be that out of the word of truth, out of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, this, uh, this means a, a first fruits, that, uh, a, cre- a new creation, a new species, one that there hasn't been like, you know, in thousands of years because we've had all the way down from, um, from the book of Acts till now, we, we saw a falling away of the church and, and there would be a hybrid church and hybrid members. There was not the original seed. That's why it would take a prophet in this day to turn our hearts back to the original faith so that out of this word he would begat children. Amen. Sons and daughters of God and, and for God then to be the father of lights, there has to be then little lights little pillar of fires that are begotten out of him. Remember, Brother Brown said, the pillar of fire has nothing to do with me. He said, you know, every one of you have that pillar of fire. It is, it is your, it is the lick of fire from the Holy Ghost. That's what he did on the day of Pentecost. The father of lights came. 
And from the pillar of fire came licks of fire. And 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost. So every son of God is a light of God. They have a portion of that God. Together we we make up the body of Christ. Collectively we we are not individually the body, but collectively we are the body. Amen. So again, for God to be the father of lights, there had to be little lights, little pillars of fire. That's what Brother Branham said in the, uh, the Messiah. Then when God was made flesh and became the Messiah, if we can yield ourselves to be anointed like he was, we become Messiah's little lights. That's what the church is to be, light, little anointed ones. That's God's church. His standing light is the light of the Messiah, risen Christ in his people. The anointed ones carrying forth his light into all the church ages. Sometimes it goes almost completely out. Then it comes back again. God's anointed one. God's anointed a messianic church. If Messiah means the anointed one means the king, then if the church is anointed by the Messiah spirit, it becomes a lesser but still a Messiah because it has his light reflecting his power, reflecting his glory, reflecting his dominion. So it is Messiah. Oh, how it reflects him in his kingdom, in his domain. Now that's why that we are, we are not looking for a Messiah. And neither are we followers of some personality cult. We see the Messiah among us. Amen. He has been made flesh in his people, a word-born bride. The bride of Christ, who is a woman, must have a passionate faith to bring forth his life. Amen. The, the, his seed, the life of Christ. Now, as the end time prophecies repeat, then there must be a woman who unites with the word to bring forth Christ again, to reproduce him. Remember, he is a father of lights. Amen. And he must have a church to which he reproduces himself. Amen. Now, in Galatians 4 and 19, Paul would tell us, you know, of his message and what, what he wanted to see it do. He said, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So he tells us there the church under his ministry was travailing in birth to form Christ in the church. Amen. To bring forth a baby, to bring forth a child. And that child would be of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Like Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. There would be a people in whom would be a spoken word, a children of the word, children of the prophecy that would be manifested upon the earth. Now, Paul would tell us in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2 about his jealousy and how he was trying to protect this woman and how that she must remain virtuous. He said, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy for I've espoused you to one husband. Now, remember, to, to come from another husband would mean a hybrid child. Amen, because it's not, of the, it's not of the covenant. Are you with me? But he said, I've espoused you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, now here's what his fear was, 
that less by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety is so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So that womb of your mind through whom to, to, through which the seed has to descend through. Are you with me? It has to be received in the mind, taken into the heart. And he said, I'm afraid that your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, that you will have a defiled womb. Now this would happen to the church. Because in the book of Revelation, it shows her as a whore. And her daughters that come out of her are just like her because her morals are passed on to her offspring. Is that right? So as the end time prophecies repeat. Now, uh, let's, let's go back in our thinking just for a moment um, to the book of Genesis. Because in the book of Genesis, it, it decreed every seed was to bring forth of its kind. Amen. Stay with me just for a little bit and we're just going to lay some foundation and we'll preach. All right. Every seed was to bring forth of his kind. Kind after kind. You see, hybrids are not in the original. In the, in the book of Leviticus chapter 19, God charged Israel, keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. And so he, he, he forbid the Israelites of mating of a donkey to a horse. That was forbidden because it was crossing the species. Are you with me? And God is for original seeds. I made them like I wanted them. I started the church like I wanted it. And I'm going to have a church like I started. Amen. Amen. I began it the way I wanted it. And that's what I'm going to have in the end time. I'm going to have one that is exactly like the original seed. She won't be different. She won't be a cross species. She won't be an improved species. She will be the exact same thing that there was in the original. Are you with me now? Now you go all the way back to Genesis where man left God. Where Adam's bride, Eve, failed and through that brought forth twins. We know she did. She brought forth Cain and then again bare his brother Abel. But, there, but you see, there, it goes all the way back as end time prophecies repeat. And we come back to the same place. Notice this. Every age has its chance at its own revival. And in there, they have a chance to be born back to the original. And we stand at the same place in this day and hour a bride to come back, to be born back to the original, to be a people birthed of the word. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Somebody with me now. So in this time, this time is end time prophecies repeat. There is a word-born bride who defeats Satan, who turns down his lies, who brings forth true sons of God. Amen. The end time prophecies repeat. We get another chance at this. This time he will have a church and it will be a bride without defilement. Amen. This church, the gates of hell will not prevail against because it's built on the full revelation of who he is. Are you with me? Now, although 
Eve failed, remember the bride is predestinated not to fall. Amen. Now that didn't say that we wouldn't quibble and wobble and make mistakes and and even Brother Branham said in proving his word said sometimes staunch Christians hold the things wrong believing they're right. And you have and I have and we all have. Right? Amen. There's been a lot of misunderstandings down the road. Amen. But this bride is predestinated not to fall. Amen. Notice he said God made manifest in Christ. Christ made manifest his bride as God took from the body of Adam, the woman, and she failed. God has took from the body of Christ, his flesh, his body, which is his word, and is bringing a bride out that won't fall by denomination or creed. No, sir. But she's coming back with the pure, unadulterated word of God being manifest. She is the second Eve. See, the prophecy's repeating. But she's not, she is not breaking and spoiling her skirts of purity and holiness to her husband. She'll stay with this word regardless of what anybody says. Hallelujah. Thus God is going to achieve what he set out for. And that is to have a family. She will be called the Lamb's wife. Her offspring will be begotten of him. Now, Adam was a spoken word seed. He was an original seed. Amen. This seed could not die. It was immortal. Unless it became perverted. And become hybrid by mixing another word other than what God said. Notice here, you see, as long as he stayed with the original word, he was immortal. But the moment it got mixed, it produced hybrids and a hybrid life. Now, this mortal life we know is a perverted life. We are all born hybrids by our first birth. Remember this. Now, let me just stop here just for a minute and explain something. Because, you know, under the Old Testament, a, a child that was um, born out of wedlock he was considered a bastard child. He couldn't enter the congregation for 10 generations, or eight or 10. Now, why was that? God was preparing a people for there to be a virgin to conceive. So he put things in the word to prepare for that virgin coming. Are you with me? Gentiles didn't have that. Amen. Gentiles did not have that. They, they had shrine prostitutes in their religion that committed fornications and adulteries and, and sex acts. But you see, again, with Israel, it made very clear, you know, all the laws about, uh, about rape and the incense and adultery and the stoning and everything else to eradicate sin out of Israel by a law. Are you with me? But I want you to notice, as we're saying, that when it comes that to that, it, that does not apply in the new covenant. You see, under the old covenant, they had one birth. Amen. That's all they had was one birth. And you had to be born in the lineage of Abraham. Is that right? Amen. It was the, the covenant was for Abraham's seed. So you had to be born in his lineage. 
Amen. So they only had one birth, but that's not the way it is with this one. Amen. We have a new birth now. And that new birth, it breathes out all the cup. Are you with me? Amen. Listen, if the blood of Jesus Christ could not cleanse an illegitimate child who had no choice of his own on how he was brought, and the blood of Jesus Christ did not have the power to remit that sin and make him aware that he could be baptized with the Holy Ghost and go in a rapture, then the blood of Jesus Christ is no more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats. But I want you to know the blood of Jesus Christ, it eradicates every sin. Every sin. Amen. No matter how you were born. It don't matter what your mama did, your daddy did, or your grandparents. And by the way, you need to be able to go back 10 generations in order to be able to come into the congregation of the Lord. Amen. So, you know, pretty much all of us would have been out. Is that right? Amen. And let me just say it even further that it would even be more that no Gentile could have been saved. You'd have never found a virgin Gentile. Amen. That was, that was or a, a, a Gentile that was born of holy matrimony for 10 generations. You'd have never found them. They had no moral codes. They had no law. They had no word of God, but the Holy Ghost fell on them and gave them the same covenant that it did to Jewish people. Now, so let me just say this. You know, we are, but we, because of our first birth, we were all born hybrid. If I can say it in Brother Brandon's word, we're all bastard born. So just quit holding your nose up at somebody else. Don't you dare do that in my presence. I'll let you know who you are. You're just like the rest of us. You're hybrid. You were born between, and I'm going to read the quote, between Satan and Eve. A hybrid. You got a hybrid body, hybrid flesh. Amen. And let me tell you about sin. Sin is not a creation. It is a perverted faith. Death is not a creation. It's a perverted life. So Brother Branham tells us there was never such thing as a creation of sin. And he said, now that didn't go down good, did it? Sin is not a creation. No, sir. Sin is a perversion. There is only one creator and that's God. Sin is righteousness perverted. What is adultery? Righteousness perverted. What is a lie? Truth misrepresented. What is a curse word? God's blessing turned to a curse word to, uh, to God instead of a blessing. Sin is not a creation. Sin is a perversion. So Satan could not create sin he only perverted what God created. That's exactly right. Death is only a perversion of life. Now think of that. Sin is not a creation. That's why, you see, it's got to end. It's only temporary. It's got, the sinful world has to come to an end because it's not a re- 
original seed. Are you with me? Amen. Now, the reason for the need for someone to be born again, watch this now, the first teaching of Jesus, you must be born again. And the reason for this is because we were born hybrid. Now, wait a minute. He even told this to Nicodemus, who can trace his lineage back all the way to Abraham, perhaps. He, he, he would tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. You see, it's for every person. Because no matter whether you're Jew or whether you're Greek, whether you're Gentile, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're purple, whatever your color is, amen, we were born hybrid and unable to breed ourselves back to life again. Once you mix the seed, it can no longer go back to the original. Remember, I remember years ago, you know, brother, old brother Chambliss, well, you know, was out there with me and, and, and was telling me about um, the seed. You know, he said, now this corn, he said, he said um, you, it's hybrid. He said, but you plant it, it'll, it'll make a crop next year. But the problem is it won't make the same thing the hybrid was. It will not reproduce true. Are you with me? Amen. So it's a, it is a hybrid. It, it can never go back to its original. Okay? Because once it, once it comes back, and no matter what you do, you can never breed that back to the original grains that made it. The, you see the, 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 uh, the hybrid cross. Now, again, every child born in the world is a product of the hybriding between Satan and Eve. Abel was not a hybrid in the sense that Cain was. Cain was the offspring of the serpent. The Bible said he was of that wicked one. But yet Abel was born of the knowledge that the serpent brought Eve and not as Adam came by the spoken word. So you see, then Seth was not born correctly either. Understand, once, once that sin entered, you could not by natural breeding breed yourself back. Now, although that Seth was born of the union of Adam and Eve, he still was not the original seed. He didn't come the way God ordained man to come. He came with a life of death. He would die. On his altar. Now in in Genesis chapter 5 verse 1. You see this is a book of the generations of Adam. In the day God created man. Now wait a minute. He created man in the likeness of God. Made he him. So he was made in the likeness of God. Right? Male and female created he them and blessed him and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat the son in what? His own likeness. After his image. And called his name Seth. Oh, now, you know, maybe you're not careful. You just think, well, now Adam was in the image of God. So, you know, now Seth's in the image of God. No, Adam is not in the image of God. 
He's a fallen image. So Seth is born with a fallen nature. He's not in the likeness of God. He's not original seed. He didn't come from the hand of God. He didn't come from the word. He didn't come by the spoken word. He came from the knowledge that the serpent taught Eve. Amen. So he is a fallen likeness. What image? A fallen image. He is not an immortal man. He's a mortal man. Amen. He's not a son of immortal life. He's a son of mortal life. So Seth was not born in the likeness of God. To be born of God required that a man be born through creation. Amen. Begotten of the spirit through the word. Notice this is what the new birth is. Being born again. Not a corruptible seed by the will of man. Because every man brings forth corruptible seed. Amen. Every every child born is going to die. Every sweetheart that takes their their sweetheart down to the altar, one day, one will be gone. The other left. Till that one's gone. This is the way it all ends. It's a hybrid life. Now, Brother Branham said in spoken words, nor is it seeds, but he said, every man, no matter whether he's a pope, now, that's considered the holiest man in Christianity, priest, that's the lower man in the Catholic Church, a bishop, that's the in-between man, whatever he is, he dies because he's a hybrid. He was born between Satan and Eve, they, and they call it whatever you want to, it was Satan and Eve. The original word had nothing to do with it. The original word was life, and he had hybrided it, and it brought death. Now, we know Satan is a spirit, but he used the serpent. Amen. Not a snake, but a subtle beast of the field, and he would work through him. He would talk through him, and he would procreate, he would procreate, procreate through him. Are you with me? Now, the Bible said that I will put enmity between thee and, the, and between the serpent and his seed and, and thou and thy seed. Is that right? So the Bible is clear. The serpent had a seed. Amen. And, they, and, remember, and remember when it comes down again, there was these hybrids that Jesus would say to them, you are of your father the devil. Come on. And then when he's on the cross there, who bruised him? Was it men or was it snakes crawling on the ground? You see, the serpent seed was there. But the problem of it is, is we were all born hybrid. Serpent seed is not a race. It's the human race. And we're all born lost. We're all born needing a savior. And there's no true breeding and no true race out of the humans. We tried it with the Jews and it didn't work. Come on. Amen. I mean, you know, there it was. But let me just tell you, there, there is another birth. Amen. And that new birth will breed you back to the original. Where you're part of the original breeding because you don't come by man and woman. You come not by the 
hybrid systems, with hybrid religion. And he called you out and rebirthed you. Hallelujah, aren't you glad? In the sixth seal, Brother Brandon said every man was born of sex after, born after sexual desire. He was in the original sin. Satan and Eve, so he could not do it. He's talking about claiming the book. No man was worthy. This is why. There was nothing in him, no holy pope, priest, doctor, divinity, whatever he might be. He was nobody worthy. And he couldn't be an angel because it had to be a kinsman. He had to be a man. So then God himself become a kinsman by taking on human flesh through the virgin birth. Jesus was not born a hybrid. He came of the virgin. It was not of the will of man nor the will of flesh, but of God. Amen. This is where John traces his beginning. Others talk about his human life and said, you know, here he comes and they trace him all the way back to Abraham and then on to Adam, but not John. John the eagle says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. I want you to know he is the father. Amen. Of a new creation. Amen. That all things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Bear with me as I read this quotation from What Shall I Do With Jesus called Christ. Like by the same means that, that the mother Eve corrupted the whole world to be to a physical death. The mother Eve, listen. Mother Eve corrupted the whole human race by physical death, by rejecting the word, by accepting something almost like it. She caused all physical death because she left the true word and believed the true word, oh, but just a little bit. One little disagreement with the word of God caused every heartache, every death, and everything's been on the earth. Eve done it, the mother of death. Now you see where we're coming from, the mother of death. Notice she just disbelieved the word. She said, God has said, Satan said, that's right. God has said, that's right. God has said, that's right. God has said, yes, that's that. Well, in a way that's right, you see, but that isn't all of it. See, you'll have your eyes open and you'll be, but God has said, and that settles it, it's the word. See, it just started just one little misconstruing of the word and the same thing is ending the same way. Notice a daughter is a product of the mother and a father by union. Now here's something shocking, but death, physical, physical death is the uniting of Mother Eve and Satan together by disbelieving God's word. They united and brought forth the product of death. Death is a product of uniting Satan and Eve together. Notice now, let me just interject again. It's through the instrumentality of the serpent that he would use. Now, you see, Eve had the word. Satan is against the word. And look, almost 99 and 9,900, Satan admitted was right so close in the Bible in the last days would deceive the very elect if it was possible See how it comes in, it's always been. 
how it's going to, going out the same way, united of unbelief in the full word of God. You got it. That's what brought death is uniting unbelief with the word. Unbelief, just one little bitty part of it, little bitty teeny bit, one hundredth of one percent, but it must be one hundred percent. That's all. Notice God's daughter, the church, the bride, is also a product of God and his word uniting. The Holy Spirit uniting in a body of flesh. It produced the Son of God, a product of the righteousness of God. And in the last days, as we're told, as it was in the days of Sodom, the bride will be united by the word made manifest in flesh. The Holy Spirit sealing them into God and sealing unbelief out on the outside. Now think of it. When we have come to the birth, remember when they came to bring forth the seed, Adam and Eve, by the spoken word, what happened? Here comes Satan there to pervert the word to keep Eve from the word birth. Is that right? Now, when it come for Israel to go into the land, which the land typed the Holy Ghost, amen, justification, called out of Egypt, sanctification to the wilderness, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the land. Are you with me? Amen. So what happened at Kadesh Barnea? They, what they do? They went over there and said, we can't take it. We can't get the Holy Ghost. We can't possess the promises of God. We can't really be sons of God. Are you with me? So Brother Branham called them borderline believers. And he said, when it comes to borderline, come right up to that spot to receive the Holy Ghost for the new birth. What did the devil do? He come around and try to twist it around. Oh, he'll do everything that's in his known power to keep the people out of there. Notice what he'll do. Satan will do everything. It is no, no power to keep the people out of there. Yeah. Notice when, when there was a deliverer that was coming. Moses was going to lead the children of Israel out, and he's a baby that is born. Well, Satan was right there to destroy the seed. Come on. Amen. Then we come down to the days of Jesus. What happened? Just as soon as the announcement is made, the child is born, Satan is right there, the beast there to try to destroy it. And God through a vision, through a dream, sends him down to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod. Is that right? Because he's right there to kill the child as soon as it was born. Hey, remember, remember now, church, that's why all the gates of hell is against us. Hallelujah, are you with me? Amen. That's why that we're in, we're in an awful age and horrible time is because Satan is right there with all his darkness, coming with his tree of knowledge, taking our kids into school and brainwashing them against God with their liberal arts and all their other ideas of man and their evolution and everything to kill the faith of the children. Because he's there to wipe out the seed. Hallelujah. But in the same time, God's got a word of preservation. He's going to have a pride without spot or wrinkle. Amen. There's a protection and a hedge around. 
conquer rapture. Amen. The token is not a cape. The token is not a book. The token is the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost. And without it, you're lost. Now, so Satan will do everything in his known power to keep people out of there. So, you know, the, the very moment that you begin to, you know, to see the Holy Spirit move, altar calls being given, young people giving their heart to God, or people, period, giving their heart to God, whether young or old, and surrendering the Holy Ghost coming upon them, what we have? Satan coming along, doing everything in his known power to try to keep that woman from birth. Now, so you, and notice what he'll do. He will push them over to one side, one side of intellectualism, or to the other side of fanaticism. He'll do anything to keep them within his known power to keep them out of there. Now, Satan had heard God say, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. So he takes God's word and he twists it. Using reasoning instead of supernatural faith. He shows them how it can be done by works instead of the supernatural. Amen. Now, you know, God would show with Isaac, it ain't going to be through works. Your body is now dead. God would wait until they could not do it on their own. Isaac would be a supernatural child that was born of the prophecy because he was portraying the new race would be born of the supernatural. It would be not born of man's ability. It won't be done by man's works. Look how they've tried to do it. You know, they turn it around every time, you know, a spiritual move comes and, and, and then, you know, they do it. They turn it around, justification by faith, and they make it where you just come to the altar and shake a hand. Works. They turn it from sanctification of a supernatural experience of God cleansing from habits, and they turn it into works. I jumped and I shouted. Or I joined the church. Pentecost did the same thing. You know, it started out a supernatural move, but they turned it into a, a, a learned behavior where they beat them on the back and jiggled their chin till they manufactured a language. They turned it into works instead of the supernatural. You see, you see what does it do? It, it brings a mixture, a hybrid. This is, what it, this is what Ishmael was. He was never the original seed. God didn't even recognize him whatsoever. And when he called him a wild man, he won't be subject to anything I say. Ishmael was completely rejected. Amen, because only the supernatural is God's offspring. Now, so death came by what Satan taught Eve by putting a spin 
on the original word. You talk about a spin doctor, Satan is one. He will take the knowledge of the revelation and spin it and exalt it over the word. They did it in Paul's day. You know, Paul, uh, Peter said in 2 Peter 3.16, and he spoke about beloved Paul, according to wisdom given to him, is written to you. Also in all his epistles, speaking of these, in them of these things, 2 Peter 3.16, in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, twist, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. So here again, the word was coming, but right there as the word is coming, here Satan is there with, with to twist. You, you want to think sometimes it's all done in the pulpit. No, there's a lot of this stuff goes wrong in a table. I met men twisting the words. They were twisting the word, the revelations brought by the apostle Paul and bringing death with it. Paul himself spoke of Hymenius and Alexander who were destitute of true faith. And he had handed them over to Satan that they learned not to blaspheme and distort the truth. He's saying that word did eat the body away like a canker because they were saying the resurrection was past and they were by that overthrowing the faith of some. You see, their false teaching was deadly. Not just a disagreement over a, a minor part of doctrine. They were teaching that the resurrection had already happened. There's no doubt they were taking the spiritual application of the resurrection and running into the ground until they did away with the literal resurrection. Spiritualizing something when it has a supernatural event. Perhaps they were, you know, they were teaching that the resurrection of the Christian was not literal, but merely a spiritual and symbolic resurrection that had already happened. See, you see, there's the problem. In every age, we have the same pattern. Brother Branham tells us in the church age book, he said that's why the light is given through some God-given messenger in a certain area, and then from that messenger there spreads the light there spreads the light through the ministry of others. Notice this, not just his ministry, ministry of others. Spread the light. Amen. And he said, who have been faithfully taught. It's really important to get in the word, to be faithfully taught. It's not just important for the preacher. It's important for you to get in the tapes, to listen to the prophet of God to hear what the messenger said. There's so many people misled because they, they quit listening. They want to sleep on the pew somewhere. But notice he said, of course, all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger said, had spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said. 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What came the word of God out from you? Came it to you only. They add to, 
They add here, they take away there, and soon the message is no longer pure, and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice. What is that voice? It's the voice of the Spirit. Amen. For the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Amen. And Paul warned them to say what he said, even as Peter did likewise. He warned them that even he, Paul, could not change one word of what he had been given by revelation. Oh, how important it is to hear the voice of God by the way of his messenger and then say what has been given them to say to the churches. So the ministry is to take what the prophet said and say it. Now, but they must stay with what he said. Now, in doing that, they didn't just get up and read Paul's epistle. They got up and preached. Peter or Timothy preached the word. Get up and preach it, rightly divided. Amen. Minister from it. These things that I have committed to you, these mysteries, he said, commit them to faithful men. And I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you, friend, God's going to have a, a true ministry somewhere. Somebody that'll stay with the word of God. Hallelujah. Somebody that'll stand for truth in this hour. Somebody's going to do it. I talked to a man one time, sat across from the table from him. His son was a preacher, and he said, well, I don't believe in preachers. I said, well, I, I believe you do. He said, no, I don't believe in preachers. You must not know me. I I don't believe in preachers. And I said, well, I said, uh, I believe you do believe in preachers. I said, because I believe you're a child of God. And God can't deny his word. He said, well, Brother Jim, there's just no, nobody that's preaching truth. Ain't nobody right. Ain't nobody doing right. Ain't, ain't, ain't nobody. I mean, one's after money. One's after popularity. One's after this. One's after that. There ain't nobody right. So I don't even believe in them. I said, well, I said, you got a problem. You got a problem with your God. He's a little bitty God. He ain't able to keep his word. I said, he said, I've given to the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the perfecting of the church. And you tell me God ain't big enough to do that? Amen. If God said it, God's going to do it. You said, but I see this. I don't care about your failures. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what you think. Amen. The word of God is true. Jesus commissioned man to preach the word. Amen. Paul commissioned him, preach the word. Brother Branham commissioned us, preach the word. He ordained men, carry the word. I don't care. You look at the failures. I tell you what, you don't believe in preachers? No, they've hurt me. They've done this. They've done that. They went after money. They went after popularity. They went after this. Well, I don't believe in people. They've hurt me. They've abused me. They've mocked me. They've made fun of me. They've caused me all kinds of trouble. I just don't believe in people. I don't believe people exist anymore. See how foolish that is? 
if you have the Holy Ghost, you have to believe the word. Amen. You have to go back to the apostolic formula, the Bible formula. Amen. And that is that the, the mysteries are committed to faithful men who are stewards of the word of God. Now, Brother Branham said in condemnation by representation. Now, this may get a little bit sticky, so hold on for a little bit. Don't be carried away with hybrid stuff. It's not right. It'll finally come to its end. It can't go back. When it's hybrid, it's finished. It can never reproduce itself. If it does, it's a dwarf. Look at what Luther or Wesley revival, when we get that Philadelphia age, what revival they had. Look at the next revival. Look at the next revival. It just keeps dwarfing, 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 dwarfing until now. And look where it's at now. You see, he's talking about them losing strength, vigor, vitality spiritually. Not necessarily physically. Because they actually got bigger. Bigger buildings, bigger numbers. Amen. But like a mule might be still tall in statue, may weigh 15, 2,000 pounds or 1,500, 2,000 pounds, but it loses the strength to reproduce. Amen. It can't bring forth life. Now, so he said, look where the Baptist started with John Smith. Look where it dwarfed to. Look at the Pentecostals that started in 1906. They interbred with the world and brought in the things of the world and the doctrine of the world. They adopted for the Holy Ghost a handshake. They adopted for immersion sprinkling. They adopted for water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost like the world. They adopted a handshake to receive the Holy Ghost instead of speaking in tongues and the power of God to follow. They put divine healing in the doctor's office instead of on your knees in prayer. They hybrid themselves and they're dwarfing each year, dwarfing. Not in numbers, not in stature, not in education but spiritually dwarfed. Spoken words, original seed. He said to mix it brings a hybrid crop. Hybrid crop is a dead crop. As far as rebreeding, it won't rebreed itself. It can't because God said so. It has to bring forth of its kind. You mixed it. Now, Now you can see the church right there. Can't you see where we're gonna wind up? It died there for it cannot bring forth of its kind. Why? It's mixed. You can never do nothing with it. It's dead. It's finished. It's all right. That's why each generation has its own revival, a chance at the word. I'm glad we got our chance at the word. So the sovereign God at the judgment, John Wesley's group will raise up and these starch washed Methodists of the day will answer for it. Amen. Luther will raise up. The Catholics will raise up behind uh, Irenaeus, Martin, Colin, Polycarp, and those will have to stand up for the judgment for hybriding the word of God to dogmas. This group of Lutherans that followed Luther's revival will answer the same thing. The booted, the, the booted group of Baptists that followed John Smith's revival will do the same. Alexander Campbell's will do the same thing. The Pentecostals will do the same thing. That original revival when the Holy Ghost fell called out a people and God's trying to get his word to it and they organized, set it over, denominated and it died right there. Again, Christ's a mystery. He talks about how that the devil is doing the same thing, building up a hybrid church, a hybrid by hybrid members, hybrid by knowledge instead of the word. 
by intellectual men instead of born again men. Building an intellectual kingdom that will outshine Christ's little flock. See, what did it, what is it that did that? Fallen angels. The Bible said it was fallen angels who listened to Lucifer instead of Christ, who they once belonged to. Is that right? Now listen close. Fallen angels. What kind of angels? Luther, Wesley, Catholic, Pentecostals, who kept not their first estate like the angels did and has fell into organization like Lucifer's main hold it, Nicaea. Are you with me? I want you to understand, it is more than receiving the word as far as doctrines. We must have the life manifested. Brother Branham told us all the way back in, in, in Freeport, he said, intellectually, we're hearing the message. But intellectually, hearing it is not good enough. It's gotta be mixed with faith. Faith has gotta be united with it. Gotta be germinated with life. Are you with me? He said, our faith isn't right. Intellectually, we're hearing the message that God has given us, seeing the signs he showed among us, proving it by the Bible, it's there. But how the church needs to lay in his presence till it tenders up, you know, and gets sweet in the spirit so it can bathe down. Amen. But, we, but he said, someone, sometimes speaking the message, you get harsh. You had to break it in like that because you've got to clinch a nail to make it whole. But when the church once gets it, the elect is called out and separated. Then in the presence of God, I know it'll be something like the people was there. Amen. Beyond the curtain of time is what he's talking about. There, when it takes the rapture. Hallelujah. People who are rejoicing in what Paul preached. Not a new message, not a different doctrine, not a different ministry, the same ministry, the same life, the same power, the same Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, not just the mechanics, but the dynamics to go with it. Amen, it's gotta be more than mechanics. It can't be just word only. It's gotta have the dynamics, the life of Christ. You see, more than the knowledge of the truth. They must have the spirit of God or it's not word yet. My words, they are spirit and they are life. If it's just a letter, it kills. It's got to have the spirit in it. Amen. It's got to be more than an intellectual conception and more than an emotion. And, and to prove this, that this, it is the Holy Ghost, something more than emotion, those who are born of it, they overcome the world. Are you hearing me? First John 5 and 4, whosoever born of God overcometh the world. So here is one sign you're born of God, you overcome. Are you with me? That means you face your enemy and you overcome it. That means that you don't, are you with me? You don't live with your sin. You don't live with your excuses. You overcome them. Hallelujah, because you have God on the inside of you. And greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen, 1 John 5, 18, we know whosoever born of God sinneth not. Amen, that means he no longer disbelieves. He that's born of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Amen, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people born of God and they're still in pornography. Amen, still in adultery. 
still in all kinds of sin and smoking and drinking and lying and cursing. Living one way in church and a different way outside the church. Amen. He that is born of God keepeth himself and the wicked one toucheth him not. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Ghost is not a motion, but it has a motion with it. And then time evangelism, and I've read this quote before, but it's too good not to read it again. Today, the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious group have tried to prove this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. Now, actually, they don't have any problem with dry confessions. They, they, they ain't have any problem with somebody just walking up the altar, shaking hands with the preacher and say, I believe the message, you got the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? But they, they have tried to prove this blessed Holy Spirit is only emotion. It just don't stand up to their scientific theory. What I'd like to ask them this is what makes them change? Hallelujah. What makes the drunkard stop drinking? Amen. It wasn't emotion the other day. Amen. When Brother James comes down here to the altar there and gives his heart to God, it wasn't just emotion. Amen. It was a change. Amen. The drinking fell off. The other thing. Amen. Things are changing in his life. Why? Because it works. Are you with me? But it didn't just do that with him. It did that with this one and that one and this one and that one and this one and that one and this one and that one. I'm looking at new creations all over this building. Hallelujah. Amen. What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? Amen. What makes the cancer and diseases depart from the people? What makes the deaf and the dumb and the blind and the dead raise up? What makes it, amen, when a a new convert comes into the church, gives her heart to God, lays her hands on a five-year-old child who can't hear, born without hearing, lays her hands on him and says, I believe, Lord, I claim my healing for my child. And what happens? Hearing comes back. And still hearing today. Are you with me? What is it when cancer goes and people are still healed? We're not talking about 40 years ago. We're talking about right now. We're talking about a now God, a living God, a supernatural God, a super. It's not just emotion. Amen. Well, Sister Alana got emotional and she ran around the building. It was more than emotion. Next day she goes back, there's no cancer. Amen, amen. It was, it was more than emotion the night Justin Ware come there in his pajamas to church, drug out of bed. After on a prayer line, we prayed for him to be saved and he comes to the service. It was more than emotion. Amen, it was a supernatural presence that changed him in a moment. Amen, took him out of the life of drugs and fornication and sin of all kinds and changed him and made a son of God out of him. Amen, it's more than that. Are you with me? Amen, it's more than emotion. It makes diseases depart, cancers go. Say, Brother Tim, your church is an emotional church. Yes, we are, but it's more than emotional. 
Amen. We got something to shout about. We got something to rejoice about. We can rejoice that we got young people walking in victory. We can rejoice of good marriages. We can rejoice in the power of God moving in the church. We can rejoice with divine healing. We can rejoice with miracles happening. We can rejoice with prophecy going forth. We can rejoice. Hallelujah, something to get happy about. It's more than emotion. Brother Brown said, what makes the cancer diseases depart from the people, the deaf, the dumb, the blind, the dead to raise up? Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it, certainly. Anything that's alive has emotion. Anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. And express the, excuse the expression. But I think we ought to bury some of our emotionless religion then, because it's dead. It has no emotion to it. Any religion that has not emotion should be buried, uh-huh, because it is emotional. True religion is emotional. Amen. But it's not only emotion. Oh, no. Yet the Antichrist spirit would really like to put out our fire and make us a lukewarm, cold, and powerless people a powerless group whose only weapon is argument. But we got more than that. Amen. Oh my, you see, we got more than that. We know him, but we don't just know the word. We know him. You see, because Brother Branham told us in church we would see Jesus, just to know his word is not enough. You must know him. To know him by word, that's all right, but that's a long ways from being sufficient, he says. To know him by the word, we got to know him by the person of his resurrection. So the true word brings a true experience. Now we're preaching about a word born bride. The true word comes to the prophet. He tells you the true word. You follow that true word and you get a true experience of the word. Because the word is made flesh in you and you become God's son and the word of God is revolving right out of you, out of God into you and because you're of his nature, his spirit is in you and you'll do the works of God. Hallelujah, the Bible said so. Now, there are those who have an emotional experience and there are others that, and, and, and when I say emotional, that's all they got. Their emotions turn. That's what happened with the Zuzu Street. Too often it was just their emotion, their spirit round. And you can have the genuine Holy Ghost on your spirit realm and still be lost. It's gotta be the tie post of the soul. Amen, you can speak in genuine tongues. Genuine tongues. Not false, not made up, not, not, not some kind of jabber. I'm talking about genuine tongues and still be lost. Because, you see, you can be anointed there in these outer realms and still be lost. Amen. But there is a seal of God. There is a true birth of the word. There is a birth of Malachi 4 that doesn't just come on the spirit realm. It deals with the soul. And it changes you from the inside out. 
Now, so there are those who have an emotional experience and there are those that have just an intellectual experience. And both of them are hybrids. But I want you to know there is a true experience as Brother Branham confirmed in question answer 64, you cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost without having an experience when it happens. I got the Holy Ghost and I didn't know it. No, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. Can a child be born and not know it, Brother Brandon said? Something happens. It's not one certain evidence, but something happens. It's not a tongue, it's not a dance, it's not a shout. But Brother Brandon said, I don't care what form it comes in, just as long as it changes you. Now, so you cannot have the baptism of the Holy Ghost without an experience when it happens. Now you say, I believe, if you believe every speck of the word, you believe every speck of the word, you say you believe every speck of it, then the word is laying there waiting for the Holy Spirit to put it to work. But it takes the lighting of the candle. Here's the candle with the wick and with the tallow and everything that has in that, having that candle, but until the fire comes on it, it will not shine any light. No matter how perfect the candle is, how per- perfect it'll burn and everything, it's gotta be lit and then it burns. And when you believe and are made up of the instructions of what the Holy Spirit is, love, joy, peace, long suffering, good goodness, fruits that it bears out until the Holy Spirit with that fiery experience comes down and lights that candle, then you haven't received the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the experience to have the Holy Ghost. That's why we believe in a fiery experience. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Not when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they come up and shook their hands with the preacher and said, I believe the message. Amen. No, when the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when the word was ready to be manifested, there came a sound from heaven. Come on. It didn't come from the preacher. It didn't come from the songs we were singing. There was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house that they were sitting and cloven tongues of fire sat down upon them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Brother Bradham's asked in 64, And question answers three, do your children have to have an experience to have the Holy Spirit? If they see the end time message, do they have the Holy Spirit? Everyone must have an experience. Your children cannot go in any other way but the same way you do. They've got to be born into it. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom. They're all children. They must have it. You must have an experience with God to go in just the same as you. Yeah, now, Brother Branham did say in the church age book, away with experience as your measuring line. And some takes that to mean you don't have to have an experience. But he's not talking about the true experience of the Holy Ghost, but the experience that the 20th century people had when the Holy Ghost fell in the, in the, on Azusa Street and it fell upon people that were justified and sanctified and it was there, they began an unscriptural teaching 
you know, that you're first born again by believing and then you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, this was the teaching of the assembly of God. You first accept the Lord as your Savior and you're born again and then you get the Holy Ghost for added power. And that was their teaching. And Brother Branham said they went on experience as a measuring line and not the word. Because you see, as you see, it was because people came to be filled with the Holy Ghost after they were supposedly been born again. But the new birth is not complete without water, blood, and spirit. Are you with me? So why did they think they were born and didn't fill with the spirit? How come they didn't understand you gotta be born of water, blood, and spirit? How come they didn't know justification alone is not the new birth or justification and sanctification alone is not the new birth? How come they didn't know that? How come they didn't know that you gotta have all stages? You're begotten of God like a child in the womb. When you believe on the Lord, you're not born yet, but you're in the womb. You're in the womb of the church. Brother Branham tells us, Holy Ghost 59, he said, you've got to protect. You've got to protect the church from the bruises of Satan. Because why? He said, she is with child. And he said, it'll make, the bruises of Satan will make her abort the babies. And what happens there when trouble comes in the church? Well, what happens when a deacon runs off with another woman or a preacher does? What happens when this happens or, or sin comes in the church or a split comes in the body? Hey Amen. who is it that gets affected? Those that are justified and sanctified. But if you've ever been sealed in a day of redemption, I don't care what happens. I don't care what you see. I don't care what trouble comes. I don't care who says what or what does what or who hurts your feelings or what, what's how somebody acts out or how the preacher fails or how the deacons fail or how the church fails. You're going to go on. Amen. You're personal. You're sealed to the day of redemption. You have been born. You can never be back in the womb again. But those who are in the development stages, they're the ones that die. Satan had come along and the division in the church. Talk against the pastor and talk against the deacons and talk against the members and talk against that one. Be careful what you say. Touch not mine anointed. Do my prophets no harm. Some of you need to shut your mouth. Amen. Be wise about what you say. It could be your very own children you're killing. Are you with me? Amen. But you got to have all stages. You're born and get begotten of the spirit like a baby's begotten in the womb of the mother but not born until they receive the Holy Ghost. You're born in. You're not converted. You're in the process of being converted. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not even converted yet. You're just in the process of it. You just started. This morning, church age, he said, he, he said now what causes? What causes thinking? He said, because the answer is experience. We went by experience and not the word. What experience? The experience of we had justified and sanctified people who got the Holy Ghost of baptism at Azusa Street. So they said, okay, um, by that, because of that, we see people uh, are saved and then they get the Holy Ghost. And that's not what the word teaches. 
The word teaches, the word teaches repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Amen. The word teaches that to be born again, you must be born of the water and the spirit. You can't be just begotten and just believe on the Lord and believe the message and believe God's in a prophet. You've got to have more than that. You've got to make God yourself. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So people went on that experience of what happened there, of, of, of Lutherans and Methodists and, and whatever coming in already saved people and get the Holy Ghost. And they went on that experience, used that for a plumb line, built a false doctrine. And Brother Brown said, it's a false doctrine. And he said, many of these that are believing are not going all the way into receiving the Holy Ghost. And he said, he said again, he said, that's what's wrong with our fundamentalists. They have no power for they stop short of Pentecost. Amen. So let me tell you, whatever experience he's talking about was because they had stopped short of Pentecost. They did not get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, so you see, there's gonna be few that will ever believe all the way into receiving the Spirit of God. That's again from the church age. This idea, I want to deal with something just a minute. I wanted to get a lot deeper into this than I did. But this idea that you're saved one day and lost the next is an Azusa Pentecostal teaching. One day you're a horse, and next day you're back a donkey again. That's mule religion. You don't know what you are. That's not the new birth. That's a form of godliness that denies the power. Are you with me? Amen. When you are sealed, you are sealed to the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit inspects you just like the inspecting of a railroad car, railway car, he inspects you to first to see if there's anything loose. Amen. And then when he finds that everything's in order, in other words, your temper's been sanctified, your habits have been cleansed, you cannot get the Holy Ghost and still smoking and drinking and pornography, you can't do it. You've got to die to sin. In order to get the Holy Ghost, you, are you with me? Amen. Amen. So, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, while well, here he packs a, the, the rail car, we get down the road, it all breaks apart. No, he never sealed the car. He never approved you for the journey. If you, listen, listen, let me tell you, there's too many churches that are not preaching a sin cure. They are preaching and they are treatment centers for sin. So therefore, there was psychology and with, uh, you know, uh, admonitions and counseling and whatever, they try to deal with sin. That's not the way to deal with sin. The way to deal with sin is a new birth where you dry out to sin, where you're born again by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's the way to deal with sin. It, it, it ain't, what is it, AA meetings, what, 19 steps? I don't know what it is. I've never been to one, thank God. Never drank in my life. But nevertheless, you know, here, here again, you know, they have all these steps. 
you do this, and now you do that, and then you don't do this, and you do that, and then you talk with one another, you know, and you report to one another, and, you know, keep everybody on track, you know, and see about your buddy over here and help him, you know, because with his addiction, and, you know, you always have the problem. You always are going to be an alcoholic. You are never cured. We're just going to teach you how to deal with that. Don't ever think you're cured. You see, that, that's the problem that we have today. That with churches, they have become treatment centers. And some of them are good programs. I'm not saying they're not. You know, some of them are the promise keepers program where you promise and sign pledges. I'll be true to my wife. I'll love her and love her only and I'll take her out on dates and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll keep my marriage vitalized. You see promise keepers, when you see promises get broken. Amen, in the time, listen, listen, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart. He He had read the word and he had memorized the word. He said, it's in the frontlets of my eyes and I've got it on my doorpost. Amen, but brother, he went right beyond all of that when he saw Bathsheba. All of a sudden, the frontlets disappeared. He couldn't see that no more. He didn't see what he said in the commandments. He didn't, I'm the king and I can have her. And he, he overruled everything with reasoning. And let me tell you, that's what you will do. Amen, I want you to understand the new birth is not a reformation, it's a transformation. It ain't I'm decided and I'm making up my mind. It ain't that at all. It is you get a new mind. You hate sin like God hates sin. Amen. Listen, we don't preach in this church a sin treatment. We are not a treatment center for sin. We preach a sin cure. Hallelujah. People are arguing about the vaccine. Let me tell you, the vaccine you better get. Some think the other's a mark of the beast. It ain't. But I'll tell you, some people got that idea in their mind. That's the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is to reject the seal of God. To reject the Holy Ghost is to take the mark of the beast. You're either marked with God or you're marked with sin. Hallelujah. You're either taking one mark or the other mark. But I tell you, there is a people of God that has the seal of God. Amen. It's a seal of God, not just in their forehead. It's in their heart. It's, it carries them when they go. It's on the backside. It's on the front side. You don't have to preach. Don't look at women. Don't watch television. Don't go to movies. Don't wear short dresses. Don't do this. And don't do that. That's a law. We're not under the law. Amen. We have the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit is a, is a nature, and we hate sin, we hate wickedness, we're offended. We're offended at evil. You see, it's a sin cure. Back in the day, there was a need for a cure for smallpox. They couldn't find a cure. The fact of the matter is, my ancestry, I'd have to go back and find out the name now, but one of my great, 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 great grandfathers back there was working on a cure for smallpox. And he learned to take cowpox. Now, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't the man they accredited for it, but it's still part of history. 
And he, he did some of the first experimentals of taking cowpox or something like that and, and trying it. And they, they wound up with a vaccine. They used it on horses and they developed a blood and got a serum from that. And they, they took that and made a vaccine to, and we eradicated a horrible disease. you know the man was persecuted he was run out of town he was tarred and feathered everybody was afraid of what he was doing they were skeptical that was going to, this vaccine was going to kill everybody you're going to destroy us all they were in a pandemonium they were, it, was, it was a horrible time but, but men in that day broke through until they got a cure for smallpox and they eradicated it. Amen. It wasn't just a treatment. Amen. It didn't just kind of make it where its effects wasn't as bad. It eradicated it. Once you got the inoculation. I remember when I was a child, I got the inoculation. There's still a scar on my left shoulder here from the inoculation, five, ten, five or ten big needles like that go in there, makes a big scab, and comes over there, makes a big sore. I screamed, I cried, amen, I got sick, I bawled, I, I was, had to be pampered and everything else as a five, six years old, but I tell you what, when it's all over, I had a mark on me. I had a seal, and it showed I was inoculated. Hallelujah, everywhere I went, I could show my scar. Amen, I took the vaccine. I got the seal. Are you with me, church? This is what the Holy Ghost does. It might be like a brand in a calf. Amen, but that calf might squeal and yell and buck and scream and run with his tail up and just have a running fit. But I tell you, when it's over with, that branded calf knows who he belongs to. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It'll come and it'll inoculate you. It'll inoculate you against drinking, pornography, sin, movies, evil, everything. It'll inoculate you. It ain't a fix, a temporary fix. It's a lasting cure. It's a divine vaccine. You say, Brother Tim, what in the world is in that vaccine? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that only works for our age and the age past. No, the promise is unto you and to you and to you and to you and to your children and them that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and as long as He's calling, the vaccine still works. And I tell you, don't mess with the prescription. Don't just try to say it's shaking a hand with a preacher. It's just saying I believe the message. It's an experience you get with God, and it bursts you by the word supernaturally. Not intellectually. And you're not saved one day and lost the next. I had an older cousin, a year older. I was a boy. He was in the UPC. I heard he got the Holy Ghost. And I said, Tex, 
heard you got the Holy Ghost. I heard last night you got the Holy Ghost. He looked at me real sadly. He said, yeah, but I've already lost it. That's not the new birth of Malachi 4. It seals you to the day of redemption. Everything, your temper, your habits, the world, it all gets in place. Where that when you do have a trial, because along the journey, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have with banging together the cars, you know, jostling along the road. And sometimes there's wrecks along the way. But if the car has been packed and sealed by the Holy Ghost, it don't break loose on the journey. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? Amen. It's like in the days days where they had a cannoneer and I'm running over time. You can come on musicians. But in the days of the, of, the, of the shipping, where they had ships, they would have to have a big old cam, a cannon. Yeah. It would be on wheels. Yeah. Where, because it's heavy, maybe weigh, weigh a ton or two. Big metal, cast iron, huge balls. Yeah. And there they would have it. Maybe that ship would only have one cannon. And that cannon would have to be moved from side to side when, you know, because you couldn't turn the ship around quickly. So they would take the cannon and run it to the other side to to face an an opponent on the other side when pirates were coming along. The ship was in danger and they needed that cannon there to ward off to show we got a weapon. And a cannoneer was a man who had a charge and his charge was to keep the cannon secure. He was over the cannon. Now, there's a lot of things in your life that is a cannon. God gives you a temper. I said God gives you a temper. It causes you to have a backbone. Temper is such a good thing, you should never lose it. But if it ever gets loose, it will destroy your family. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll harm your kids. It'll wreck the church. It'll destroy your friends. It'll destroy you. God gave you sexual passion. He said, I'm going to permit for this to come this way. But he gave a way to channel it, and that's through marriage. Marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And passion is a wonderful thing if it's aimed in the right direction toward a mate and loving and giving affection to your mate. Passion is a wonderful thing. But if it gets loose and aimed in the wrong direction, it can break up your home, your family, your children, your church. It can hurt your pastor. There's all kinds of things 
that when you come to a new birth, you got to get tied down first. Well, this cannoneer had a job. His job was to secure the cannon, tend to it, make sure it was tied down. You know, and he got irresponsible. And there was a storm came. Well, I mean, you got this 1,500 pound, 2,000 pound cannon, and now in this storm, it's rolling back and forth. And it's rolling to one side or the other, and it's crashing in here, and it's running over men, and it's breaking legs. And it's, and it's breaking into the sides, and it's about to cause the whole ship to wreck. Because a man didn't secure the cannon. Finally, wrestling at men, getting hurt, maimed, they got the cannon in place and tied it down. Storm settled. The ship is devastated, men are dead. People are crippled, harmed, and the cannoneer has to walk the plank. The tying down is the Holy Ghost. It is the tie post that ties those things in place. You were born with certain things in your life qualities that are there that have misused the devil will use them and destroy with. Get it tied now. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I've seen loose cannons get a hold of preachers, destroy churches. Young people fall away. This man who they thought was such a great Christian. Drugs, sex, homosexual, all kinds of evil things. He can't make it, I can't make it. Don't make man your example. Look back to the word. Look back to the prophecy. There's gonna be a people born of the word. A people that are truly born again. Not born of a church, born of Christ. I just want to, I want you just to think it over just for a moment. Maybe in your life that you can see there's still something loose. Maybe it's an evil tongue. Maybe there's something been destroyed in your marriage. You can't love, you can't care, you can't. You, you can't express it. You don't know how. Well, I'll tell you, just get the love of God in your heart to make you love everybody. It sure make you love your family. That's the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's something else. Say, so, well, Brother Tim, I'm one of those saved today and lost tomorrow. I don't know where I stand. You don't have to stay that way. I 
God, this message didn't go quite the way I thought it would either. I had a lot more things I wanted to get into today. But you see, I'm not my own boss. I have to speak as the unction comes. I never was trained to be a preacher, thank God. Except by the Holy Ghost. Started out 52 years ago there at Blocker's Chapel preaching a sermon about the insincerity of the people. They sat down to eat and they rose up to play. Because of this, God was displeased and overthrew them in the wilderness. Yet they drank from the rock. Yet they were under the cloud. Yet they went through the Red Sea. But with many of them, God was displeased. I must wonder today where you are in your spiritual walk. Is there something loose? So I've been seeking the Holy Ghost. Well, won't you deal with the loose things? Won't you just give up that pride? Won't you just surrender that to the heart of God? Would you give up that worldliness, that sin, that besetting sin? Give it up. Make a full surrenderance of your life. The token. Why, you could plaster your house with tapes. You could put books everywhere. Over in Africa, they, when they build a house, they put a spoken word book at the doorsteps. Bury it under the foundation. Keep demons out. You put books anywhere. You put books all over you. They don't save you. That's not what saves you. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the supernatural presence of the Almighty God coming down into you and changing you. That's what changes you. The books and tapes are wonderful. We need them. We should have them. Yeah, I think if you feast on them, you should. We do. We make it available to every one of you. Encourage you to hear it all the time. Read your Bible too. Do all of those things. But you, you can do the same thing with Bibles. You can put Bibles on, on a dead man. It won't raise him up. You can bury it with him. You can plaster yourself with Bibles. You can take a Bible and put it on a demonic man. It won't cast the devil out of him. But you can take that Bible in a preacher or in a man of God in my name of cast out devils. I've seen it happen. I know it happens. You see, it ain't the external, it's the internal. It ain't what you can do with works. It's what you can do what the supernatural God does in you. It isn't you making yourself new, it's a new creature. Maybe you can look at your life today and say, there's some things I really need tied down. Really, there's some things that are loose. Maybe you just want to raise a hand to God. We just start right there. You just want to raise a hand to God and say, there's some loose things. I want to surrender everything, Lord. I want to surrender. When it's all over, 
I don't want to just have went to church and paid my tithes and went through the accident, uh, through the motion of things. I want to know, Lord, that I know that I know. For he said, in that day you shall know that I'm in the Father and I in you and you in me. Won't you let him do the work today in you? Just ask him to come. Come to my heart, blessed Savior. Come to me, Lord, right now. Father, you see every heart, Lord. You see every life. You see every person, Lord, that's reaching out to you. I pray, oh God, you'll speak to them today as you have through the word. As they look at things, Lord, and they realize they got even a stain from the appearance of evil. They've got to turn away from sin and unbelief. Serve the resurrected living Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless your people, Lord, in your presence today. Anoint it. Anoint it to their hearts, Lord. Anoint it to their soul. I pray, oh God, today the quickening power of God will just come raise them up. Make a new creature out of them. Change them in your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Search me. Oh, God. Just as you search your own heart today and he searches you. Just say, know my thoughts. Know my thoughts today. Try me, Savior. Judge me. See if there's any unclean thing in me. Wash me. Make me pure in your presence, Lord. Let me feel your power, your presence once again. Lord, let it just sweep over me. Supernaturally, Lord. Oh, God, let there be the enemy. Let me submit myself to God. The enemy flees from me. I have a real experience with Almighty God. I come to know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Know my times. Cleanse me now. Cleanse me now. From every sin.
Yes, Lord. I'll say yes.